Welcome to the We've Seen Enough podcast, where we look at the world through the prism of sports. Enjoy the eclectic mix of our personalities as we discuss, debate, and occasionally fight over issues large and small. So as we head to our respective corners, I'm Jim Boyle. And I'm Tom Trevisani. Let's get it on, Jimbo. Okay, welcome into episode two, season one of the We've Seen Enough podcast. I'm your host, Jim Boyle, and again, in studio with me is my good friend, Tom Trevisani. Uh, and we just really want to look at, uh, like I said, looking through, look at the world through the prism of sports is really what we're trying to do here. Today, we're going to have two topics which sort of interrelate. Uh, one is the, the aspect of Massachusetts just went to legalize sports gambling, and we also then have the head injury. We have the two incident uh, uh, down in Miami or two got a brain da- brain damage and brain damaged a second time, and Miami's coach is thinking they just have to win. Uh, and then, like we do on all these shows, we're going to look at a, a real quick a look at the matchup of eras today. We're going to look at the '70s quarterbacks versus the quarterbacks of today. So we keep a football theme going. Uh, our Mount Rushmore is going to be the four biggest upsets that we can remember. It doesn't have to be something we saw because there are upsets that happened before we were alive. And then finally, we'll do our my pet peeve. I'll do one if Tommy has one. He's allowed to. And finally, we'll do the Tommy trivia, and we'll also have the answer to last week's trivia when we start that as well. So, Tommy, welcome aboard uh, again this week. A little bit of excitement happened with the head injuries and, and Masters of, um, going to sports gambling. So, real quickly, what do you think sports gambling, what do you think the impact on, on professional sports in, in the state that, that it will have on, on the sports? Well, Jim, I think it's going to have a big impact in regards to I think today, you know, like like me when I talk to people about gambling and everything, it just seems like now what people doing, you know, pretty much uh, people doing pretty much what? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I know I'm just having one of those days. Oh, you know, with all okay. this, no, with all these fantasies, like today now with all these fantasy leagues and everything, and I think what they want you to do is the NFL. Like what's going on is I think the impact is they want. They want to have a lot of scoring. They want to have a lot of because a lot of these fantasy leagues and people are, um, you know, doing all these fantasy leagues. And I think it's going to have a big impact on sports, which it always has. But it seems like now there's so many websites that are going on that are having all all these different things with the, you know, the sports gambling and so forth. Correct. I like your the the in, in interjection there of fantasy sports is a big one. Um, I play in the fantasy football and fantasy baseball league and just so happened to lose my fantasy baseball playoffs to my son, Jack. So it's going to be a long winner for me. Right. He thinks he's the greatest GM that ever lived. But the fantasy side of it is important, too, because not only does it not only does it incorporate a, the quote unquote fantasy, but there is a little bit, there is a gambling aspect to it. There's daily fantasy uh, and then there's betting on a game and there's betting on prop bets and so all sorts of things. So, you know, to me, fantasy is, is changing you're getting fans, but it's also allowing people to root for specific players and see different games in different ways. So you're not just a Patriot fan, but you might be a Patrick Mahomes fan because he's on your fantasy team. Absolutely. Like, you know, back in the day, like, you know, with prior experience, it's like now you can bet on, like, different players, how many passes they throw, how many completions they make. It's it's just amazing how it is today. Before, it would just be you'd be betting against the spread. You'd be doing the over and unders. You'd be betting totals. But now... It's everything you can bet on each player. You you know you can bet on how many field goals a guy is going to kick, and it's there's just so much to it. And I just think what it comes down to, what they want now is they, it's just the more money, 
the more money into it. Now they're legalizing it. And like we always joke, because, you know, Uncle Sam wants to get their end. And what it really comes down to is it's just really always, unfortunately, it's about money. And it is. And it's and like what we're going to get into later about in regards to these injuries now with players playing. And it's just amazing when players aren't playing how much it affects lines and how it affects everything. And it, it just... To me, it doesn't even seem like they don't even care really about the safety anymore. It's just really about money. That's true. And again, t- my introduction to, uh, and I'm not a gambler by any stretch of the imagination. Was, right. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not a gambler. But my introduction to sports gambling was back in, in, uh, in high school or junior high school. We used to get those little cards, which had like 50 uh, college football games with the spread. And then the, the 12 or 14 professional games. And you would check off the four you wanted. You give your 10 bucks in. And if you won, you won 100 bucks. It was, that was that was how they how it was done uh, all, for a long time unless you got out to Vegas and you put a slip into Vegas so Vegas once was the sports book capital of the world and now anywhere you go you do it online you can bet online you can bet English soccer games now so that's really changed the way that people are allowed to gamble not just with regards to sports with everything no I totally agree I would always remember when I was in high school we would go down the guys who were selling the tickets would be like you know it would be pretty much the canteen truck drivers you would get yep. them you know, it was always that type of, you know, you'll see him, hey, can I have like five cards? And you would put on, if you put down like $5, that was like a big thing. Yeah. $5, you hit everything to win 100 And uh, it's just funny how things have, they have come a long way. And it just doesn't, it seems like everyone today, there's a website everywhere. Like, it's just, it's amazing. It's amazing how much what you can do, like what you can gamble on. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah, the preponderance of the ability, of the websites and the ability to do it and all that. Now, I know that we we both have kids who have gone through college, uh, and I think it's I from from the ga- what I gather is it's big on college campuses. I mean, gambling has been big, and now that it's legal, it's easy. It's you can do it online. It it will get even bigger. So let's look at it from that perspective. How can that impact the way a game is played if they know that all this money is being put on the on on the team? You know, just real quickly, like let's use BC's had their gambling scandals all all around. When we were using it, the, when the mob was running gambling, they were point shaving. And so, so is there any extra pressure on a coach um, or on the player to make sure that everything looks like it's on the up and up with all the money that's being bet? Well, yeah, but that's another thing. And then you can bring up the other scandal. There was the Arizona State in the early 90s. And like you just don't know, like how do you know? These people aren't getting to these coaches or what's going on. It's just, it really starts at the top. And then a lot of times you hear about when these scandals are going on that the coaches, they didn't know. They didn't really know what was going on. And that, you know, the players, they could be shaving points. But you just don't, you just don't know where it goes on. It could be going on a lot more than what you think. It's just, it's a very hard thing. Well, back to fantasy. We go back to the, this year and uh, we had a fight in a baseball game, in a pregame. Uh, where Tommy Pham, who ends up being here, gets in a fight because he was pissed off about the way the waiver wire was working in a fantasy football league, which was run by like the biggest superstar in baseball, Mike Trout. So it's it's not just that it's it's not just that it's it's there. It's penetrated everywhere. And and I sit and I watch MGM Grand is saying they're sponsoring Major League Baseball, and the and the Manning crew is with Caesars and the Caesars Sportsbook. So so we have really normalized it over even really over the last ten years. That's been normalized. So. Really, what is that going to? How does that impact not only a fourteen or fifteen or sixteen year old who was gambling with a card when they were in junior high school, where now they can go online if they get the parents' credit card, they could be gambling, they could be betting up a storm, and we all know who wins when we have gambling. Well, we do, and that get and that's getting back to now. Like I think it all transitions into how these players now are getting 
as you know, like for years, the NCA couldn't like these kids. They're going to college. They're making millions and millions of dollars for all these programs, and they're not getting any money. So now that I think the players are getting, as we talked about, they're gonna they're starting to get money now, and things are changing. That's why a lot of these kids are going into the transfer portal. They're going to bigger schools because you know they want to get a little money back themselves, and you know they want to start earning and. Do I think it's right? I do. I think the NCAA is, you know, these coaches are getting all these big contracts and these players and how it all has to do with gambling is, you know, these coaches have their own TV shows. They're making two, three million dollars a year. And I mean, really, I mean, they're running the programs. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, pretty much the athletes, they're bringing in the money. So, again, it all comes down to one thing, a five-letter word we speak about all the time, <laughs> M-O-N-E-Y. It is, it's all about the money. It, Everybody's generating money. The kids are generating money for the school. The, 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 the leagues are getting money from the gambling houses or the, or, the, or the gambling websites or whatever to help to generate more and more revenue for everyone. So everyone is making money off this deal. Uh, and I'm not saying the kids are gambling in, the, in college because the, the, name, the name, image, and likeness issue is, is, is taking money away from the NCAA and getting into the pockets of the, of, the, of the actual product. I'm just saying that within, within professional sports, you know, everything is now almost very intertwined. And, and I just wonder where does that stop or how does, that, does it continue to grow? And, you know, we go back to the Black Sox scandal back in the late 19-teens. Uh, and then we can look at Pete Rose is kicked out of baseball because he bet on his own team, you know. So, but now everything's like all of a sudden they snap their fingers and bang, everything's okay again. Well, you know, speaking, I know that'll be a topic for another. Con exactly, Pete Rose. As far as I'm concerned, this is probably one of the base, best baseball plays that ever lived. And why is he not in the Hall of Fame now? Why? Mm. I mean, because they determined that he bet on his own team, and right. that's the rule. And the, the rule of law, if you go into, into a locker room, is the first thing they tell you is you can't gamble. Right, but look but, at now how me and you were just talking about how everything now is, it's all gambling. Like you said, it's all legalized and all the different, it's, I don't know, it's kind of crazy. To me, it's like it, it goes both ways, but like you said, it comes down to money and there's just so much money now in sports and I just think that's what it is. It's pretty much, and everyone seems like they're gambling. There's a website everywhere and do I agree with it? Yes or no, not really. But it's just sports now is, it's just all about money, unfortunately. It just seems like when we, it was different when we were growing up. It seemed like they were playing more for, not that they were always played for the money. They did, but they played more for the love of the sport. I just, it's all changed now to me. Well, that's because the money. Again, and I don't, listen, a guy that plays, the athlete, let's, let's take the, break the athlete down. You know, you've got a baseball player playing a kid's game and they love it. And these guys, they're at they're, these are these athletes are at their at the pinnacle of their their abilities. They are the best of the best. Every sport that we see, and you know they should they are they they should generate money for themselves. You know back back down to college athletes. You have the professional athletes who if the if Major League Baseball is getting a hundred million dollars a year from MGM so that they can be the official sponsor of Major League Baseball and it's just a sports book. Somebody all that cut goes somewhere. You know, so it's, it's filling somebody's pockets. And again, I go back to, let's go back to the basic gambling, sports gambling we use, because I don't want to use gambling as, in general. But in sports gambling, all I need to do is take a plane flight out to Las Vegas, all mm -hmm. right? And I go on the strip, and there are these big, magnificent buildings everywhere. It's, just, it's like a palatial estate for everyone. And that's built on the back of the gambler. And of the sports book, you'll build on the back of the sports gambler. You know, so... You know, is it is it, it, it it's got to be, and I think they've done a really good job, at, at least at some point where they have the gambling shows on TV. Is you know, if you have trouble, 
make sure you call this hotline. That's yeah. what they're. But again, you're you're sucking people in by you know everybody sees oh it's easy money and no sports. I'm a smart guy, and you know if you're gambling as a as sports gambling because it's your form of entertainment for the weekend, that's fine. If you say I'm going to spend my hundred dollar weekend on instead of going out to the bar or instead of going to the movies, I want to bet on this game and I'm going to watch the game and I'll get my heart rate going and I'll be involved. But again, is has is it going? Where do we where when do we reach the point, Tommy, where it's too much? And it's too controlled, and we and we just lose some kind of control over the situation. Well, it's like anything. If you take just a, a normal person watching a game, I think it's to the point, like, you root for your teams, and it's funny, but even if you're in a pool or anything, it's just how everything changes if you have money on a game. It's like you're watching the game, and you don't even really – you're just rooting for the team that's going to cover the spread. You're not even watching the game to even watch the game anymore. That's where I think things have changed. I know that sounds kind of – it's – that's, that makes perfect sense. I think you Am hit the I, nail on the head. You are, and you're watching the game because it's not even just with the gambling; it's with the fantasy sports too. I mean, I'm watching. Uh, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I've have uh, Clyde Ed- uh, Edwards Hilaire is my running back on on Monday night, and I'm facing a guy who's got the quarterback Tom Brady, and I'm rooting. You know, not that I'm always going to root against Tom Brady because he aggravates the hell out of me. <laughs> he's, he's he's not my favorite person, but. Uh, Edward Hilaire, he scores a touchdown. I know I'm going to win, and that's what I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for the individual player. But again, if it brings eyeballs into the game, the NFL succeeds. If it brings eyeballs, if you're playing fantasy baseball and you're watching the California, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim at two o'clock in the morning, because he could, Mike Trout could be the the the, the factor between winning and losing. That's where you go. Um, but just to go back to, let's try to transition a little bit uh, into into the injury. We had the the issue with Tua. Tagovailoa at uh, in Miami, where on the on Sunday he got hurt. Yes, and he wobbled around, and he was definitely a head injury. And I know it because I've had my I've had my head injury. And then he got up back up, and they said it was his back. They put him back in the game. And then he comes to Thursday night, and he gets slammed down. And I, I honestly, the guy slammed him down, but he didn't really look like he hit his head all that hard. No, he didn't. And then he he concussed, and he had a severe issue with that and it was a second concussion in four or five days and we and everyone knows medically that's not good for you so where does the where does the the blame let's not so much the blame who's responsible for making sure he stays healthy is it the player is it the coach is it the doctor who they the independent doctor is it the team doctor where where do we really draw the line not just a head injury but every injury where do you think Jeez, Jim, you could to me, you would have to probably say, you have to go by the team doctor, but like we said again, it's these coaches, there's so much pressure on these coaches to win, and there's so much pressure on these players to play, and there's so much money involved, like it doesn't even seem like health, I mean to say, it really, like it makes a difference to a point, but does it really make a difference? I mean, some of the things you see, he should have not been playing Thursday night. He should have been playing on Sunday after oh. he got hurt. He should have been back in the <laughs> oh, game. Oh, yeah, he went back in the game. I totally forgot against Buffalo. You're right. And then you saw what happened with his hands. He had that little bit of a – and that was a pretty scary thought, I'll tell you. And, you know, then they said he came back on the plane. He seemed fine. I mean, no, it's just – again, there's just so much money. Again, there's so much money involved, and it's sad is what sports has really become. It's just there's too much money involved. And if these guys don't play, these players don't produce, these coaches get fired, and it's just – it's kind of like a trickle effect. That's true, and it's a young coach, a first-year coach from right. Miami. Uh, don't, don't mean to pick on him, but right. again, somebody has to stand up. The player's never going to say he doesn't want to play. I mean, that's the, the mentality of a player, to me. If you're a great player, you get to that spot. Your mentality is your arm could be falling off as a pitcher, and that coach is going to come out and know you threw 105 pitches. That, the manager's going to come out of the mound and say, he's going to say, Jim, what do you think? And I'm going to say, I'm going. 
I'm ready to go. I'm not coming out of this ball game until you know, you're you're going to have to drag me off the mound, and the manager makes the decision to drag it. Now, with baseball, we're talking a lot of analytics, but even right. with football, you know, when does the coach say, oh, "I he can't"? The coach doesn't have the ability because he's got to win to say, "I'm going to sit him on the principle that there's something wrong with this guy, and I'm not going to play him." Right. He's going to say, "Let my doctor make the decision." And the doctor's going to say, "Okay." He can go back in the game with his back. And then you put him back in the game. And then ever then it's like it's a snowball effect. And again, I go back let's go back to the weekend this weekend when the Patriots played the Packers. Right. You know, uh, Mac Jones is out, so our backup is Brian Hoyer hasn't won a game since the Obama administration. <laughs> and he comes into the game and he gets hurt. He gets a head in. I I again I I saw the hit, didn't look bad. He got hit his head on the ground and I do know how concussion works because I was I had I, I didn't happen to me. And so he goes out of the he goes out of the game and goes into the tent and all of a sudden I think because of the preponderance of, of of the issue with Tua, he he sits the rest of the game. <clears throat> if the thing with Tua had not happened, I st- I think he, I think Belichick and the crew would have put him back in the game. But now we got the snowball effect of oh everybody's watching us now we have to do the right thing. So again, um, let's even take it back to the, we talk about sports gambling now. The Patriot line was probably um, you know minus it was, eight yeah, it was, and a half or something with the Packers. Yeah, it was actually it was nine and a half, ten on something, but it pretty much I would say it was like ten points. And then and then he gets hurt, and now all of a sudden you don't you know you might bet the second half or whatever because of the way we do betting now it's not right. just you don't just bet the game and the over under and the total right. points you you can then go in and say oh, I'm going to go online I'm going to say Packers going to win the second half because this this kid is, is Western Kentucky. Was Zappy? Who is this guy? And they're gonna and not realizing Aaron Rodgers is gonna is not gonna play well. Right. He's gonna ask the bet on everybody. Um, but that that so the thought process all changes when he goes in the game and the coach is not thinking about gambling, but he wants to win the football game. But the gambler's saying to himself, "I can make some money on this," you know. And um, the injuries then exacerbate all the fact exacerbate the fact that there's so much money laying around, you know, and you don't know what will happen. So again, the um, I'm just trying to think of any t- other time where there was a major injury where, you know, the 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 player just kept playing through it and and got even more seriously hurt. Like, I go back to baseball this summer. Uh, Bryce Harper, um, I think, is needed Tommy John on his elbow and then ha- then broke his hand and so he got this, he was going to be able to DH and he comes back. And now he's back. He sits his time out. He heals the broken bone and at some point in, in the offseason. But he came back and he's hurt. Right. But he can DH. So it's not as big a deal. Uh, Robert Williams with the Celtics. Again, let's what what who's responsible for the fact now he's going to miss twelve weeks because they did they rush him back uh, because you want to win the championship uh, and is he hurt? Does it does it hurt him? Does it did it did it cost him his future? Because he's his mindset is I want to play. Their mindset is you have to play. He goes in, he gets hurt more. So. Where do we draw the line? I mean, you talk about the doctor. We talk about the head coach. Is it until the guy just falls apart on the, on the field we take him out? Well, Jim, again, I, I think really it's a tough – like if you're a player, like you said, you want to go out there, you want to play, you want to play hurt. But we're talking about millions of dollars these players are making. And I really think it comes down to a lot of it is the player. Does the player have – you know, he has to make up his own mind. He's going to go, this is my body and this is what I want to do and – but there's just so much more to it. It just wasn't like it was 20, 25, 30 years ago where, like, now everything's on, you know, social media. So one little thing happens, not within five minutes, like everyone knows. Think about it. Back in the day, these guys played hurt. You didn't even know they were hurt. So, but now it's like everybody knows. The reports are all in because it all goes back to, again, it all goes back to the gambling aspect. Right. And 
So if these things all intertwine, I think it still all comes back to it's really, it's just really all comes back to where the money is and these players are going to play her. Do they want to play her? Probably not, but there's just so much money involved. Right, and I, I, get, I totally agree with you. We go back to my childhood or, or, or even my young adulthood, which still seems like it's like 40 years ago. <laughs> but it, it was, you know, you didn't really worry who was starting that day who if you're if the running back was questionable it wasn't something that was promoted on right. espn pregame show you know now you're you got a fantasy team and now you're saying is he going to play him i going to sit him or play him right you know back to a baseball where they didn't care if a if a pitcher blew out his arm and blew out his arm there's somebody else they were to bring in there wasn't right. a lot of money involved right. so i think that that's that's a really big big issue going forward but we watch that we we we're watching why do people watch athletics now is it because some people watch it because they want to, and they feel like they get that charge because they put the money on it? Some people watch it because they get the charge because there is a winner and a loser. So there's no gray involved here. We got a black and we got a white. It's right. simple. You win or you lose. I mean, we sit there with the Red Sox, we sit there with the Patriots, we sit with Celtics, and you either win or you lose. You know, and and that's we're not watching. And that, so you have that aspect of society. But now they give it. You, you, it's like. That extra little push of adrenaline that you get. I got money. I got fifty bucks on this game, and all of a sudden, the Temple this weekend's got Memphis. They're playing well. They don't not playing well on offense. They're playing well on defense, and it's a twenty point spread. I'm watching this, and Memphis is going to score, make it twenty four to three. So it's now twenty one points. And I'm thinking, oh boy, there's a lot of people sitting out there who put money on either way. And Temple's driving towards right. the end zone at, for with two minutes left to play. And the game means a completely nothing. meaningless game. Right. And, and I'm I'm sure there's probably hundreds, not mm-hmm. not a lot of people because Temple, but there's a lot of people out there. They're they're pulling hair out. Think if they score here, I cover, or if they score here, I don't cover. And then that's so they're still watching the game. But um, it's an interesting conflict. It's it, it's a concept. It's a great conversation, and I think it's just something we need to be aware of. And and it's going forward. This is what we're going to live with. This is the landscape that we live in. Well. Yeah, especially in basketball, as you know, with points. It's amazing how in the last two minutes of a game, which is c- complete garbage time, the points, that mean everything. That means the bet. And like even the other day with Rodgers, you probably saw that. How about that interception in the yeah. first half now? Everyone jokes. There was a pool there. He hasn't thrown an interception for a touchdown in 3,500 attempts. He throws a pick. Yeah. And everyone's looking, going, that meant, you know what that meant to so many people? Correct. Green Bay first half, like we talked. So it is. It's crazy, and it makes you change the way you look at sports. It does, but that's the society we live in, unfortunately, Jim, today, and it's just, it's changed. It's really just all about, you know, since I met you in the last 20 years, it's really, really, since our kids have grown up, you see a big difference. The 80s, and it really probably started, I would say, like the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, Would you kind of agree with that? Yeah, but I know from being in college in the uh, early '80s, there, there were was, there were bookies. Oh. You knew you know where to place a bet. You know how to do it, not just I, from the card, but it was it was still it was still a uh, a seedy kind of event. You know, now as 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 the internet grew and grew, like in the late '90s, and fantasy grew and grew. Right. I mean, I think fantasy has really exasperated the uh, exasperated the, the the issue. Just one real quick on, on on something you said. Isn't it garbage time, not garbage time? <laughs> Didn't Larry Bird <laughs> score all those points in garbage yeah. time? <laughs> no, Terry Durant. Durant, we score all those points in garbage time. Ever heard? Oh, hey, you never heard what Bird said about him. He was the best one-on-one player you ever played against. Yeah. It was Terry Durant. Because Terry Durant didn't have to play in the big moments. No, he did um, not. Okay, so that's as, as we transition, we're going to go back and we we still talking about injuries. What I want to do is in our era look back and we compare eras. I really want to look at, you know. 
quarterbacks from the 70s and 80s versus the quarterbacks of today. Now, we all have our own opinions. Everybody, Tom Brady is the greatest of all time, and Peyton Manning was this, and, you know, Brett Favre is that, and, uh, other than a thief. Brett Favre is this. <laughs> you know, Aaron Rodgers this, Eli Manning that. I'm sure I'm missing a million quarterbacks. But they live in, a, in, a, in, in what I will call the quarterback protection society now. Um, and they did not have to worry about, like, a guy like Terry Bradshaw or even will go Archie Manning. Um, you know, any, uh, Kenny Stabler, Ron Jaworski, all those guys who were quarterbacks where you ran the football a lot and cause quarterback was, he was fair game. Nope. So what do you think? How do you, how do you look for a guy from the seventies versus the guys today? Well, if I was a quarterback, I definitely want to be playing in today's era, but those quarterbacks we grew up on, like you said, and another guy, as you know, as I want to mention is Joe Theismann. And if we talk about that whole thing with the big left tackle, he changed that, as you know, that's why they ended up making that movie and with the blind side and all that and you know pretty much with the guys I think back then is like you said everything was fair game even Burt Jones funny story about him is that guy he had a well was he a gunslinger but his own teammates didn't even like him I remember the stories my father used to tell me they wouldn't even block for the guy because he was so you know he was just he was arrogant but I think the difference today is like you said back then it was fair game these quarterbacks back then like said like Terry Bradshaw they would probably throw for another guy is Joe Namath Jim, if you look at his career stats, they're not even good. Right. But, you know, because of the getting back to the gamble aspect, Broadway, Joe, they had they were an 18-point underdog. He won that Super Bowl. I don't think, Jim, he ever threw for more than 400 yards in a game, if you look back. I, I would imagine. I bet you, not. like, back then, I mean, he had a great arm, but they ran the ball more. It was just different back then. It was it was a lot more tighter, you know, rushing. They probably ran the ball 50 60% of the time, and it was just a different era. Could those guys play today? No doubt. I think a lot of those guys from the 70s and 80s could play today. I do. So let's compare the two eras, okay. even the 60s, because you had Bart Starr won the first two Super Bowls. Bart Starr right. didn't throw for more than 200 yards half the time. Uh, undefeated Miami team in 72. Greasy, Bob right? Greasy, he <laughs> couldn't even he couldn't throw a ball 88 eight yards. He had the he had the Zonka and kick in his back. And then, That's right. But he did have one or two great receivers. So they had guys that could 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 have breakaway speed you know kenny stabler uh the the gunslinger lefty from the oakland raiders back then uh you know and and it's just a matter of the game really didn't change uh really up until elway came in yes that 83 draft and and, and those guys came in and uh tommy's tommy's got this nervous tick and i'm sorry for that noise i apologize (laughs) you know so so you could terry bradshaw in, in this era do you think he's got the arm to, to do it? Well, actually, if you remember, he had a really good arm. Yes, absolutely. I think Terry Bradshaw, Joey, I think the, those guys had really good arms. Yes, absolutely. There was a few of them that definitely they could throw the ball today. No okay. doubt. Okay, so let's take, um, let's take the relatives. Uh, Archie Manning, who got completely beat up playing for New Orleans. I mean, I remember watching him play. He was running all over the place. Um, I'm yeah. surprised that he can still walk when I see him. I know. What okay? a shame, though. What a great—he could have been, he could have been one of the greatest, right? He reminds him—the two guys from Louisiana, him and Pete Maravich, the two of them I, uh, from the 70s who, who could have been phenomenally great but got, got drafted in the wrong place. Absolutely. And got hurt and, and those sorts of things. But Archie spawned two Super Bowl champion quarterbacks That's right. who quarterbacked in this era. Uh, Peyton, who got hurt with the neck, and and Eli, who again they they went to the they went to the they went to the, what, every time you needed them to go to the line they went to the line they always played. Tom Brady always played to the one year he got right. hurt. That's right. But 
is it because they were superior athletes or because they lived in the protected world? Would Archie have been just as good as Peyton or, or Eli? Well, it's funny you say that. Them two, I, it's funny about Peyton, and then he got the neck injury, but you're right. Him and his brother, they never, I think they had a consecutive game streak, both of them. They never missed games. You're right. I think more with them, Jim, they don't get the credit as they were pretty big guys, but, you know, right. they were smart. They always kind of knew how to throw the ball away and to live to live another play like Brady. Right. Not that, like, they were still, but they're still big guys. They never really got hit a lot. And, of course, today with the protection was more. That's definitely part of it. But I think a lot of them, would, it was it was their mindset. They were very smart. They know how to get rid of the ball. They would throw the ball away to live another play. They would never really take that big hit. Okay, let's take another comparison that just popped into my mind. All right. This might be before your time because I know you were born in like 1970 and I was yeah. born in 62. So I, I remember Fran Tarkerton, who was uh, scrambling, ran that. They had a great defense in, in Minnesota, the, the Purple People, purple people, people Eaters. eaters yeah. And Fran was a great little quarterback who played for the, the Giants first and the Vikings. Scrambler, probably had the most rushing yards of anybody. Him compared to Lamar Jackson. Wow, like that was a little before my time, but yeah, he was Lamar Jackson before really there wasn't, Correct. but I knew he would run around. He lost, you know, the three or four Super Bowls, and then as you know, he went to the Giants later in his career, but that is quite a comparison, but they probably look today because, you know, there was no social media again back then. There wasn't as much TV, but they're very, I think they were very comparable in a way, and you know, if I remember talking to him, had a pretty good arm, and yep. I would just say this kid's probably a little more athletic. Yeah, well, no matter what we say, 70s, that's now athleticism and, and nutrition and weight and training all that, and right. all that and how you get the steroids into your body without anybody knowing <laughs> you have them in your body. That's all. That's all. That's all. Every every year we're going to get better. Every year they're going to get bigger and stronger. Stronger, right. And I think that I just, I just like to go back and look at guys I remember as a youth who he was a running quarterback. He Bob Greasy was just handing the ball off. He wasn't nothing flashy. Bradshaw was Bradshaw was flashy because of his off-the-field personality. Right. But he won. He won but four he, Super Bowls, right? He did. And then with, with great defenses. And, you know, they were probably just as big as these guys are today, but they were getting hit all the time. So they I think were. it's really it's – really, it's, it's a fun thing. Look at Elway. Elway was a was, – was in reality, Elway could have been what Lamar Jackson is because he was a scrambler. He got a lot of he got a lot of yards with the feet. You know, Brett Favre, same thing. Now you have Aaron Rodgers. Every time he runs out of the pocket and somebody sneezes at him, they throw a flag or he gets hurt. You know, so uh, I think it's really interesting to look. It's a weird because you can you can look at the like if we go someday we'll look at Jack Lambert versus um, um, Lawrence Taylor, and that's only like ten years apart. And how Lambert was this great middle linebacker for great teams, but he was 5'10", 5'11", right. 195. And now you got Lawrence Taylor. He's like 6'4", 240, runs the 40 and 4'2". He's killing people. So, again, as athleticism has changed. But I just always, I, I really, this part of our podcast uh, in here here with We've Seen Enough is because we have seen a lot. And we have seen enough of, of this, this game to know that there is one place you might be able to plop a, a player from the 70s into the player from the 90s in the NFL Two places. One would be the kicker because the kicker is a kicker is a kicker, and right. he don't get hit. And the other would be the quarterbacks. I think quarterbacks with the intellect and the and the athleticism probably could be dropped into this era. But everybody else is just the game is just way too big for 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 everybody. You know, the, the Earl Campbell running people over not going to happen ever again. No, wow, you know, Campbell. with him with him there. Wow, that's right. So as we transition next to one of the regular features of our show is we get to discuss the Mount Rushmore of whatever. Mm -hmm. Now, okay. 
<clears throat> excuse me, the Mount Rushmore today, I, I, I pick is Mount Rushmore of upsets. Um, and you mentioned one earlier, which was which was actually going to be on my um, on my top four, which was the Joe Namath and the '69 uh, Jets beating the Colts, which was the last really brick to fall with the AFL NFL. You know, we we, we that's we, right. They, they, yep. they, they, they merged after that. Nobody thought the AFL could stay with the NFL. Joe Willie come out, shot his mouth off like anybody from Western Pennsylvania does. And that's uh, right. he's, so, from, he's from yeah, he's from, from Pennsylvania. Aliquippa, Pennsylvania. So, that's right. um, so he was he was he was the impetus for the AFL NFL merger. That win that was a big upset. So let's we're gonna let's go back and forth. You get four. Okay. okay? And I know I gave you a heads up on this, so I wouldn't Oof. wouldn't you get you to get you back in your feet. So I'm gonna let you let's let's take the uh, the the '69 Super Bowl off the table because we've mentioned it already. So why don't you go? What, what first upset for you? Well, to think I'm gonna when I think when I'm probably gonna say college football, I'm gonna think of uh, it was around 2006 Appalachian State beat Michigan in the uh, Big House. You kind of remember that one? I think at that time. That was a huge upset, speaking of spreads. I think that was like a 30-point spread at that time because I kind of remember that game. If you remember, that was the day that that pitcher for the Red Sox, Bronson Arroyo, threw a no-hitter, I think. That was the same day back in 2006. It would have been a Royal. No, there was someone for the Red Oh, I think so. The the last four Red Sox. I'm going to be a real pain in the ass. The last four Red Sox. We should look that up. We're not not named. Oh, no, I didn't say the lab, but he he actually threw a no-hitter that same day. Buck Colts, Lester. No, I'm sorry. I think it was Clay Buckholtz. I said right. Royal. I'm sorry. That's okay. It was Clay Buckholtz. And that okay. was a, and that that was a, at was that point day. in time, Appalachian State was an F. Was it? We'll call it Division One AA back when it was the one AA. Now they call it FCS. They played. No, the you're right. They were. They, they moved in. They moved into the into the big boys now. But you're right. That was a stunning upset to well, go into the big house in front of a hundred thousand people and beat Michigan. Well, absolutely. I even got on the cover of Sports Illustrated at that time. So then if we're going to do college football, I'm going to take uh, – I'll, I'll stay along the same lines. And um, my college football, we've got to go all the way back to um, January 1st, 1985. Can you think? Nebraska-Miami. Oh, that's when they had Nebraska-Miami. Yeah. Howard Schnellenberger and our good it? friend Tom Osborne. Oh, yeah, that's what Irvin um, Fryer was on that yep, team, correct? Schnellenberger and uh, Nebraska was heavily favored going in. They were in the home stadium of the Orange Bowl of, the, of, of Miami, and they – we're down almost the whole game. Miami was, again, just becoming <clears throat> Miami of who they are now. And when Osborne scored with little little time left to to, um, to go down by one, and he went for two, so I give him credit. You know, That's he went right. to win the game. He ties the game, wins the national championship. But he ties the game, wins the national championship, and we all want a baby. He, he has, that's his, that, that becomes part of his legacy. So he went for two. He didn't get it. Miami wins the national championship. So in college football, to me, that, that's one of the ones that sticks out to me uh, it, for as far as the college football world is concerned. So what about what, – go number two. Where, are you gonna, I, where do you want to go? Well, there was another one because we'll stay here with college. I'm going to do college basketball about three, four years ago. You can help me here when uh, Virginia was the number one seed. If you like that, and they lost to the 16. I should know this because my uh, they were in the UNH division. At, um, if you can, I think it was um, UMBC. Thank you. Yes, University of Maryland. Yes, thank you, Jim. UMBC. And don't I, don't worry, know. I didn't pull that out of the time I had. Jack brought that up here. All right, that, wow. that was one of Jack's. So we were talking yeah. about it before lunch today. And he, I knew it was UMBC, but he but brought that, that up. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. Yeah, that was uh, at that time. And the funny thing was, that was another one that was a huge spread. And if you remember, then the following year. Virginia always had that thing for they never could win the big game. And then they won the national championship correct. the next year, if I'm correct. But that UMBC, because that was the f- only time a 16 seed's ever beat a one gym, too. 
Correct. Yeah. Uh, okay. Stick with because we, we're going to go off a little Mount Rushmore. We'll stick with college basketball here. Right. Um, I'm going to. I'm not going to say one because I totally hate the university. So we'll skip that one. All right. Uh, with college basketball, I'm going to go to 1983. I think it was 83. Oh, I know the one you're going to say. 83. NC State. NC Houston. State. Houston. Absolutely. Major upset. They, oh yeah. NC State came as a as a higher seed. Kept winning games. It was the. It was what made Jimmy Valvano. Jimmy Valvano. That's right. Um, you know, Wittenberg throws a big shot from deep. Deep, deep, which he had no shot again. Nobody boxes out. Lorenzo Charles lays it up. Everyone's happy. So that's, that's that would be one of my college basketball ones. Well, that was a great <laughs> one because that was our five slammer jammer, as you know. Yep. And we can go on. That is unbelievable. They were doing four corners and they were fouling on purpose, and that was incredible yep. at that time. That and, was definitely. And then uh, the one I won't mention, but I have to, would be '85 with uh, the Vile Nova uh, upset of Georgetown. Uh, mm-hmm. When they uh, were made, big, both Big East teams. I don't mean to bring spin. That was my other one. That is incredible. That we're, we're not talking about though. Oh, not Oh, about. here we go. Oh, it's Villanova. We don't talk about Villanova. It's, it's you know oh, what? God. At least it's half my podcast. I don't need to talk Villanova. Oh, come just, on, you, need to mention, you do need to mention it, and, and uh, that was before the clock. Uh, yep. And they stalled, and the kid from uh, Wakefield uh, had a big game there. I was just going to say, well, he was part of that team, Mark Polanski, yep. which I seen in high school. He was like seventh, eighth man. But if yep, you remember right. that game, Villanova shot 82% from the field, yep. second half. Yeah, they did. They still only won by two. Right. It was just amazing. That it was totally, like I said, and that game was played in Rupp Arena. Jim, I, if you because it was a championship game, and for how much that was probably that's going to probably be one of the biggest upsets in sports history, maybe. Correct. And college basketball actually lends to a lot of upsets because of the tournament, the way the tournament's set up. So. Which me and you love that, which <laughs> makes it great because of that one and done. And you know, there's nothing better than that, I think. So we'll leave the ones I have a couple more. You know, Butler making two final games, big Man. upset. Duke when they uh, after UNLV annihilated them the year before in 1990, coming into the semifinal game against UNLV, which uh, the Tark had a great team that year. That's right. And they they came in with Leitner and 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 Hurley, and they Grand came in and beat, they beat them uh, in ninety in ninety one to get, and they end up winning the the championship game. Um, and that's really uh, and the other one would have been uh, Notre Dame when they beat UCLA to stop an eighty eight game winning streak. Uh, which was a big upset, Jim but Ferry. that was at Notre Dame. That's when uh, they had Bill Walton, correct? Yes, I think, yeah, yes. Notre Dame, that's right. Correct. That's right, with uh, Digger Phelps, that's right. All right, so that's two. So we have a college basketball and a college football, and we have the pro football one, which is um, the Super Bowl of 69. Uh, another pro, let's go with another pro football upset. It could make Mount Rushmore. What do you think? I know. I'm going to think here, buddy. What do you uh, Oh, this let is me an see. easy one. This is like the, I am like throwing you an EFIS pitch here that you're going to hit out of the park. I think know today. Back. You know when I even told you that's why it wasn't been feeling great today. Think I'm back. not on my A game. What I mean. about the greatest team on turf? That of course you said that's right. The Rams and the Patriots. Yes. That's right. Um, absolutely. And that was again getting back to what we talked about sports gambling. That was a four. I think it was a thirteen or yeah. fourteen point favorite. Thirteen and a half. Jack looked that up for me today. Jack did, and it's funny if you know that weekend. That was the early two thousands when gambling started. If you hear the stories, bookies actually absolutely got annihilated because yeah. everyone bet the Patriots at the amount of that game, and I think I was the only one who bet St. Louis. Yeah, figures you to go back out, right? Yeah, the other one, the other one, it was the uh, the Super Bowl where the Patriots undefeated and lost to the Giants, but we won't bring that one up yeah, either. Yeah, that's another one, Jim. But you know, the Giants had a pretty good team that year, and if you kind of remember how to beat Brady. 
you got to get to him with the four guys Correct. on the defensive line. Correct. That's what the Giants Absolutely did. Right. Jim, that was like more, you know, even though the Patriots were 16 no, but I wouldn't consider that maybe. If you kind of remember the line, I think it was like seven, if I recall. No, it was more than that. No, yeah, I, I think, think you're right. I'm sorry. Ten and a half. The Gi- maybe yeah. it was ten. Okay, yeah. you're right, and that was yes. Lucky, Absolutely. Lucky for me, I have my research assistant at home. Jeez, as we were talking um, the, just real quickly, the other ones, baseball, I have the 69 yeah. Mets, which was a big upset, of right. course. Not just an upset game, because baseball's with a series. The 04 Red Sox coming down from 03, yep. and then the 1960 Pittsburgh Pirates, who got outscored in that series. Matt, Bill Mazeros gets, this is long, even before I was born, Bill Mazeros gets a home run to win it. Um, celebrated in Pittsburgh forever and ever. The Yankees won three games by like a combined score of 40, point, 40 runs, and the Pirates won four games by a combined score of about five runs. So that was another one. Uh, and then uh, the Lakers and the Pistons back in the early part of the decade, uh, century, uh, when the Pistons had, the Lakers had the superstar team of uh, Kobe oh, with Shaq and Shaq. Oh, and those yeah. guys and Pistons and then beat Pistons him in five. had Richard Hamilton, and they paid him five. Yeah. With, uh, yeah. With You're right. Great coaching by, I think that was Larry Brown's team that beat them there. Well, yeah, because in the NBA, those are hard to find, Jim, because as you usually know, the chalk usually wins. Correct. They are seven game series, but you're right. I totally forgot about that. That was kind of when you knew Shaq and Kobe were kind of coming to the end of their rope. And then, then two more that are really not. We have John Daly winning the PGA Championship and uh, Y.E. Yang upsetting Tiger Woods in the 2009 PGA Championship. And then the final two are Olympic related, and the one Olympic is probably the greatest upset of all time, which is the 1980 yeah, U.S. hockey team. And then the other one, which we the U.S. lost, was which controversially the 1972 basketball, That's which was Doug the first Collins time right? with the basketball, right? And yeah, they absolutely. refused, and they refused to have the thing. To so, the medal, right? so if I'm going to do Mount Rushmore, I'm going to go with the '69 um, Super Bowl. I'm going to go with the Miami Hurricanes in 1985 beating Nebraska. I'm going to take my '04 Sox because I got to stick with them. And then I'll put in the uh, 1980 Olympic team. That would be my four big upsets on my Mount Rushmore. Uh, all right, I'll probably I'm gonna probably say on two of those I'll agree. I don't want the nineteen eighty Olympics. I'm gonna say, and the other one is definitely you probably would have to say Super Bowl three, yeah, because of the eighteen. And then I'm gonna probably throw in a basketball one. I'm still gonna no. I'm gonna have to say the Appalachian State Michigan, yep. and then I'm gonna give it to the other game. I'm gonna give the college basketball game. I'm still gonna say that Virginia game. Yeah, that's against it. UMBC. And that that's was just it's a sixteen seed in oh, a one. But only time has ever happened. It's right, but we can go back and forth. All right, so that's the Mount Rushmore, which is awesome. I love doing that with you, Tommy. It brings back great memories of, of all the fun things I've gotten to spend with sports. Uh, I know that you've been under the weather this week, so I'm just going to give a quick pet peeve before we go to the next trivia side because we're just about finished here as we wrap up. Just real quickly, my pet peeve is with Yankee fans. I always have a pet peeve with them. But you know what? Just shut the hell up. Aaron Judge, is he going to hit the damn home run or he's not? People aren't walking him on purpose. People are pitching to him, and he's not, taking, he's not swinging at balls. Okay, just shut the hell up, Yankee fans. If he doesn't get it, he tied Roger Maris. He's still not never going to be the home run king because Barry Bonds always going to be the home run king. You know, that's just the way life works. Suck it up. You made the playoffs. Now let's see if you can win something because you haven't been winning for 10 years. So that's my pet peeve with Yankee fans. Trying to piss everyone off that's not a Red Sox fan. Yes, sir. Yeah, speaking in that, not not to change the subject, but what do you think? You think there's any possibility? Because I know you know you're a big Red Sox fan. You've been a season ticket holder for about 30, 40 years now. But do you think that we might have to go go after this Judge kid? Is that no. a possibility? No, I don't think. I don't think you'll see Judge here. Okay. I think if I think if the smart play would be bring Xander and Devers back, bring wow. Xander back, Devers, and go out and find some pitching. Mm. You know, because they do have a, offensively, they they're not offensively challenged like right. you would think. Judge is also going to be. If I'm going to take a thirty year old, I'm going to take Xander over over Judge. Wow. Because 
uh, 30-year-olds that are big and hit home runs, their contracts sort of uh, <laughs> eat you up by the time you get to be 36 years old. Yeah, and the only one we got lucky with, if we, me and you always talk, is we got lucky with that Manny one, if you remember. Yeah. But that seventh year, he started becoming a Hal Contempa, then we, we got rid of him in August. This so. is true. But if you agree, boy, did we get seven good years out of him. Manny being Manny, that's correct. All right, so last week, my friend Tommy he asked a trivia question about who was the only player to play with both Bill Russell and Larry Bird. The answer for that question was the infamous The Duck, Don Chaney, spelled C-H-E-N-E-Y, not like John Chaney, spelled C-H-A-N-E-Y. So don't confuse the two. Both were coaches. The Duck coached a couple teams as well. He did play for a short period of time on the uh, 78-79 Celts with uh, Larry. He did. He did. He was about eighth and ninth man. And uh, he actually went to, back in his playing days, he played with the Russell. You know, he's known as a good defensive player. And he actually went to the University of Houston. He played with, as you know, the Big E. Right. Elvin Hayes. Yep. All right. So let's go. As we wrap it up, Tommy, what do we got for a trivia question today? All right, I'm going to stay here with basketball. This is a pretty good one. I actually just got asked the other day. There was you in a... basketball time. I know. we got we'll to just... get you off your high basketball horse. Well, uh, who's the only player to actually lead the NCAA in scoring? Then he also led the NBA in scoring, and he also led the ABA in scoring. Oh, so we got so, the NCAA, the ABA, and the um, NBA. In the in NBA. Scoring. And again, again, if you answer this question, like we said, we said last week, you will get a... Uh, Edible arrangements. That's there you go. You have to go in and claim it. You have to either go into the Peabody store, the Peabody store, the Lint store, or the Beverly store. You just ask for Nick DeLiva, and you have to give the trev- you know, you have to give the uh, trivia question, you know, the answer, and you have to say you were sent from uh, Jim and Tommy, and you have to you talk, and you have well, to say the show, and the name of our show, which is what, Jim? We've seen enough. We've enough seen again. enough. Now, again, this week we've seen enough. Real quickly, to wrap up uh, that trivia question, who is the only player to lead the NCAA, the NBA, and the ABA in scoring? And uh, we'll have the answer for you next. I don't know if we're going to be on next week, but in the next couple of times we get going, Tommy's got to go away a little bit. Uh, we don't know where he's going, but he's going away. Get out of here. It's great. So I really appreciate everyone for spending the last 45, 50 minutes with us um, for We've Seen Enough. This is Jim Boyle and with Tommy do it. And with my good friend Tommy Sem- Tommy Trevisani. <laughs> Eventually I'll get that last name right because I only called you right. that like for a million times. So with for Tommy and Jim, uh, we'll see you on down the road. Thanks for listening to this episode of We've Seen Enough, recorded at WCTV Studios in beautiful downtown Wilmington, Massachusetts. If you'd like to get in touch, offer topics to discuss, or stump us with sports trivia, we can be reached via email at jboyle22 at comcast.net. That's jboyle22 at comcast.net. Along with Tom Trevisani, I'm Jim Boyle. Make sure to tune into the next edition of We've Seen Enough.